the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hi, I'm Hugh Hewitt. Thank you for listening to the Town Hall Review Podcast, where we bring you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Our podcast is brought to you through partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy and ADF, the Alliance Defending Freedom. Here's a piece I hope you enjoy from my cigar-smoking friend, Dennis Prager. One of my favorite people, Andrew McCarthy, is on the line, senior editor at National Review, former federal prosecutor. And he is a man whom I go to for clarity on very complex matters that are affecting our nation legally and politically. Andrew McCarthy, welcome back to my show. Dennis, great to be with you. And you should also note that I'm a proud student at PragerU and um, happy to let everyone know that and encourage everyone else to be one, too. That's a very beautiful thing you just said. I'm very touched. I had no idea that that was so, and I appreciate it very much. By the way, you will get a big kick. This this week, the uh, the course is about uh, made by my dear friend, the, the guy who came up with the idea, Alan Estrin, my producer, and it's a, the he made a five-minute video about me, which I'm very self-conscious about, but and it's hardly hagiography, hey, but you'll get a big kick out of it. So, oh, it's great. It's, I look forward to it. Thank you. So listen, of course, I read your article, as I read all your pieces, uh, about all of this stuff. Does it, uh, the latest uh, with Michael Cohen, uh, does it really threaten the president, as you hear constantly in everything outside of the conservative media, which is 99% of the regular media? So I, I have a series of questions. You're the man to ask. Okay. Sure. So I... As I understood from your piece, and as I understand on my own, which is in most of these cases I rely on you, but even on my own, why is the New York Times and L.A. Times and ABC, CBS, NBC, PBS, NPR, why do they all imply, not even imply, state that if Michael Cohen paid off two women this is a real threat to this man's presidency. I don't get the connection. Well, I think it's a political argument. I think they're invested in ending the Trump presidency, and if they can't end it, at least driving his numbers down low enough that uh, it'll it'll end in a more traditional way. But I, I just think that's a it's a political argument, and it seems to me they're taking their cues from. Lanny Davis, the uh, Clinton confidant who Cohen has brought on to his legal team, mainly to do the PR work. He's not really that I can see doing the legal work. And he's made a very superficially appealing argument that if Cohen says that he violated the law and he says that Trump directed him to violate the law, it's logical to say that Trump must have violated the law, especially when you take into account things like traditional uh, federal aiding and abetting liability and the like. The problem with the argument is 
that we're dealing with a very complicated statute that actually does treat people differently depending on what their status is. And it does treat the candidate very differently than it treats the normal donor. But even in the normal don't, why did, why did Cohen plead guilty? What he, what he did, well, you have to know, if, if I'm not mistaken, you must know you are violating, it's not true for murder. Even if you think murder is good, you're still arrested. I, got, I get it. But with regard to campaign finance laws, you have to know that you're violating it. Well, I think, Dennis, that, uh, that Cohen, you know, when we say campaign finance violation, it's probably better to be precise about exactly what it is that he pled guilty to. And, and therefore, I think you can see easily the difference between his case and Trump's case. Uh, in, his, in his first count, he's charged with making um, a, a, or aiding and abetting a corporate contribution. So it's illegal for corporations to um, give directly to campaigns. That's hard money contributions. And there's a lot of evidence that he worked in conjunction with this American Media Incorporated in order to uh, suppress the story of Susan McDougal, the, the, or Karen McDougal, rather, the, the uh, Playboy model. And the second count against him is that he made a, an excessive contribution He's limited to $2,700 in a cycle because he's not the candidate. Uh, and that's something that I think he obviously knows. Uh, you know, the other thing that's important here is he's a lawyer and Trump isn't. So there's a much better case that he understands what the law is. And then I guess if I'm sitting as his defense lawyer, what I have to weigh is the fact that uh, in the past, the two federal agencies that are charged with enforcing these laws, the Federal Election Commission and the Justice Department have interpreted them differently. And the Justice Department has a much more aggressive interpretation of them. And I imagine the lawyer, who I happen to know and is a very good lawyer, uh, must have thought there was a good chance that if he didn't plead guilty, that, uh, you know, he'd go to trial and get convicted. And that's always worse in terms of the sentencing possibilities. Now, if the president gave reimbursed him, what does that change, if anything? Well, it, as far as the president is concerned, he, as the candidate, doesn't have a limit. Right. I don't think it changes anything as to Cohen, because the act of fronting the money in the first place is a contribution. And that's, you know, if you once you decide it's an in-kind contribution, that the, the nature of this transaction is an in-kind contribution, that's the first issue you raised, and I still think it's the most important one. But let's assume for argument's sake that it is. Um, Cohen still has the $2,700 limit that he has to worry about because until he's been reimbursed, that's, you know, that is okay. out there. Right. And, okay. I'm sorry, go on. What I was going to say is there's a reporting requirement as to both of them. Um, so whether Trump reimburses or not, um, you know, Cohen has to report. Right, but all stuff. of this is based on the assumption that this is a campaign contribution. Correct. But if that went before a jury and the defense attorney for Cohen said, give me a break, no man wants an affair publicized. So it's irrelevant whether he was running for office or not. He would have paid these women or this woman. 
what wouldn't that fly with a jury? It might or it might not. That's the you know the the uh, the crapshoot, as it were, for the defendant and lawyer when we have a murky statute. Well, it worked with that. It, it worked in Edwards' case, and that was a lot it more worked. money. But but he rolled the dice, Dennis. I mean, he went to trial. He could have been convicted. And remember, the judge allowed the case to go to the jury. This is not a situation where the judge heard the government's case and dismissed for want of evidence. What happened was the judge made a ruling that a rational juror, based on what the government presented, could convict. Didn't mean it would, but that, that, that's the basis on which a judge lets the case go to the jury. And what ended up happening was the jury con- uh, acquitted on one count and hung on the other five. So it's a murky result uh, in connection with a capricious set of laws, if you ask me. Well, that's interesting that you feel it would be a roll of the dice. I I I think I'm in tune with uh, with the the my fellow citizens mentality, and I, I, if I were on a jury, even if I didn't like the person, see, it was as a left wing Democrat, I I wouldn't vote to convict. Nobody wants it publicized if they had an affair. Uh, it, yeah, but that's but that's not Cohn's issue. That's Trump's issue, and I think with respect to Trump. That would have been a much better defense. That what does Cone care? Um, you know, as far as Cone's concerned, he's a lawyer. He's got a twenty-seven hundred. Ah, now that may, I give- see. So Cone. So let us say that this stuff came out about about McDougal. Uh, what is her first name? Karen, Karen. McDougal. Yeah, the the Playboy uh, model, uh, and it came out after he was elected. So. Do you believe Cohen would have paid hush money then? I think if he paid hush money then, it would have been irrelevant. I, think I agree I with you. Question now. So I'm right. only so, asking it because I think that's what, if this came to trial, the attorney for Cohen could say, hey, folks, you don't think he would have paid if it was after the campaign? It wasn't campaign finance money. It was hush money to protect a man's reputation. Well, I think what the what the government would counter, and this is the problem for Cohn and his lawyer, is that the payment was done on election eve, and the way that it would the way that they would prove that uh, with all the communications that went on between Cohn and the others involved in this is it was very shortly after the so-called access right. Hollywood tape, right. And it was at a time when these women were trying to to sell their stories with an idea that it would blow up Trump's candidacy. So at least there's a question of fact as to whether that was the driving motivation behind it or not. Right. Okay. But I all right. I won't belabor the point. I just you you say it's a roll of the dice, and I take your word for it. But but the truth is, even with the roll of the dice, it means that he could be acquitted of these charges. Yes. Okay. Yes, absolutely. All right, a couple of more questions. What happened uh, to the notion of client, uh, of attorney-client uh, confidentiality? There is an exemption for that that's known as the crime fraud exception, which um, sheds any confidentiality protection of communications between the attorney and the client if they are in furtherance of a fraud or 
an actual crime. And if you accept the premise that at least on Cohn's part, this is criminal, uh, or at least a scheme to, uh, uh, to commit fraud somehow in connection with the election, then the crime fraud exception would kick in and, uh, and, and protect and shed any protection for those communications. And that, I guess, is the government's theory for bringing out the, uh, the communication that it was Trump who directed Cohen to do this. I, I just, this is not directly related at all to Donald Trump, but I, I, I'll be, I just want to offer a thought and get your reaction. Sure. Uh, I, I never liked campaign finance laws. I thought that they abridged people's freedoms in this country. Uh, I think the only uh, gainers in this have been lawyers. Uh, and I think that this is just, this is an example, this preoccupation with what is ultimately not important, uh, but could be criminal, uh, is a, is a right. further, to me, indictment of the whole campaign finance law issue. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that, Dennis. I tried to stress in my column over the weekend that when you in, indulge this kind of regulating, when you take something that is not innately wrong or legal and then try to write up a whole regime of regulating it, because it's simply too complicated for uh, for people to understand all of the uh, consequences and ramifications of it, what you have is what we exactly have, which is murky, ambiguous laws that are given to capricious and arbitrary enforcement and a situation where even the two government agencies that are supposed to be the experts in this field and are charged with enforcement have contradictory interpretations of what it is they're enforcing, which means nobody can be confident that they know the law is, yes, which is kind of the exactly. basic uh, due process. Yes. So in other words, it's it's a lawyer, uh, it's a lawyer sustaining law. Okay. Uh, how did Lanny Davis end up this guy's lawyer? How did a Trump-hating Hillary Clinton activist end up Michael Cohen's lawyer? Well, by Davis's account, as I understand it, there was a, uh, a shift in Cohen's thinking. I actually find the story kind of amusing, uh, that when Cohen saw uh, Trump at Helsinki, he suddenly had a conversion. And oh, 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 one minute, one minute, one second. I, I, I need a, I, an air sickness bag. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, sorry. I'm very sorry. I've never right. uh, never regurgitated right. with a guest. Okay, yes. go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the Stormy Daniels thing didn't do it, but my God, when, when he saw him up there. Uh, right. Oh, was, oh, it's too... It <laughs> this is Lanny... <laughs> <laughs> I hey, look, I, I just I just work here, you know. <laughs> I love you, Andy McCarthy. I really do. <laughs> you may be my favorite human being that I never met. <laughs> it, it's it is that it, it, you have to laugh or cry. That I tell my my listeners yeah. all the time. Those that's your only choice in a lot of these matters. That way, so Lanny Davis gave that story. That's Lanny Davis. Yes. He had an Michael yes. Cohen had an epiphany about a man he has worked with for God knows how long. Exactly. Yeah, and and unlike some of Lanny's other stories, he's actually sticking with this one so far. So, I did not. I'm glad I asked you because I, I I could not have guessed how that happened. So, Mike. Okay. Yep. 
So Michael Cohen has now said these final words, and I and that's only the beginning, or Lanny Davis has. That's only the beginning of what Michael Cohen knows about. After all, how did this all begin? Which you touch on in your article, too, obviously, with the Mueller investigation of Russian collusion. So right. do you believe Michael Cohen has information on Russian collusion? I don't. I think that, uh, remember, Dennis, Michael Cohen was originally Mueller's case, and it got transferred to the Southern District right. of New York. Now, if we look at how he scorched the earth to go after Manafort, I have to think that if he thought that Cohen was an important witness, he'd have kept him. Uh, somebody sent him to the SDNY. I got it. Right. All right. I know you got to go. Otherwise, I'd keep you on. I just want you to know, uh, and uh, I'm very grateful to you. Keep Just Thanks keep so writing much, and look forward again to speaking. Andrew McCarthy, read him in National Review. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming to you today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy, where they're preparing leaders for the public square. Application deadline for fall classes is June 15th. It might be the right step for you or a recent college graduate in your life. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you enjoy your podcast, take a moment, tell a friend to subscribe today. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.